You're not in this story. Yeah, well, we're making it up as we go. Hello and welcome to Making It Up As We Go, a Destiel fan fiction anthology podcast. We're making it up as we go. I'm your host and reader, Nerdy Nerdenstein. The story is ours now. You can't have it back. Please be warned that the stories featured can and will contain explicit sexual content and is not intended for young audiences. Today I'll be reading Cakepocalypse, chapters 3 and 4, written by Mittenwraith. The rating is mature. Pertinent tags for this fic include Alternate Universe Canon Divergence Friends to Lovers Love Confessions Cake Angst and fluff and smut, but mostly fluff with a dash of crack. Chapter 3. The Hot Stove Sunday morning, Dean swung by a coffee shop on his way to the Webflix studios. The extra shot of espresso he ordered wasn't doing anything good for his already jangling nerves, but he hadn't really been thinking straight when he'd placed his usual order. One of the downsides of being used to getting up before dawn was finding a way to keep himself occupied until normal human hours began on his days off. By the time he'd pulled up to the coffee shop, he'd already downed a pot of coffee puttering around his house. Cass had agreed to assemble the entire crew at the studio at ten in the morning, which was still probably asking a lot of a TV production crew on a Sunday morning, but it had left Dean at loose ends as to what to do with himself for the last five hours. He'd decided to leave the house after another mini-marathon of Gabriel's trickster show, wisely coming to the conclusion that it was only making him more nervous about working with the guy. Sunday morning traffic in L.A. hadn't even cooperated to slow him down, resulting in the ill-advised stop at the coffee shop that he regretted as he walked up to the front door of the studio, his nerves hitting peak caffeine saturation just before ten. He pushed his way into the lobby through the bank of glass doors, emblazoned with the bold and glowing blue W. The entry was decorated like the waiting room of some futuristic dentist's office, panels of lights embedded in the stark white walls that slowly shifted through a series of soft pastel colors, as if transmitting some sort of secret code that he didn't understand. At the far wall beneath an illuminated blue W sat a sterilely tidy white desk, and Dean began to panic that he'd wandered into some alien spaceship out of a sci-fi movie, instead of a functioning television production company. His fear was about to get the better of him as he edged his way back toward the door, when Gabriel popped up from where he'd been lying across one of the two white sofas on either side of the otherwise empty room. Dino, hey, you made it. 
Dean was almost too startled to reply, but he shook off the weird feeling that he had accidentally tripped and fallen into an alternate universe and waited for Gabriel to straighten his clothes and ruffle his hair back into place. Sorry, just catching a few Z's while I had the chance, Gabriel said. Told Cassie I'd bring you back to the studio, but I really wanted to get away from the chaos for a minute. Dean snorted at that. I've been watching your shows. I figured chaos was right up your alley. Gabriel reached up and dropped a hand on Dean's shoulder and looked him directly in the eye. Chaos of my own making is one thing, but everyone needs to get away from other people's chaos once in a while, am I right? Hell is other people, Dean replied after an awkward moment, which set Gabriel off cackling. You and I are going to get along just fine, Dino. Come on, the crew's itching to meet you. Did you put itching powder in their overalls? That set Gabriel off again and he shook his head and smiled knowingly at Dean as they came to a stop outside a black set of doors with a large number four painted on them. Since you seem to need a reassurance here, I don't prank my friends like that. Dean nodded, feeling only mildly relieved by Gabriel's tone. Yeah, you probably save the really good stuff for your friends. You have no idea, Gabriel muttered almost lower than Dean was able to hear, as he turned dramatically to throw the doors wide open and march onto the set. He yelled out, Attention! The stars have arrived! Bringing a temporary halt to all the sounds of construction on the expansive soundstage. The first person Dean saw was a woman in jeans and a plaid shirt with the sleeves rolled up. She wore a headset draped around her neck and glanced up from the tablet she'd been studying. She frowned and looked them both over for a moment before heading over with a hand extended toward Dean. Hi there, Jody Mills. You must be Dean Winchester. Dean shook her hand and smiled politely. That's me. Jody nodded, letting go of his hand to wave around the studio. I'm directing this circus. Castile asked me to give you a grand tour and take any notes and suggestions you make into consideration. Jody's the best, Gabriel informed Dean. I've never been able to convince her to work for me before, but having you on board finally tipped the balance in my favor. Jody rolled her eyes at that, but it was more like fond exasperation than genuine irritation. Come on, I'll show you around. No point letting them get farther along with construction than we have if we have to end up making any major changes to the design. Considering they'd only begun construction two days earlier, Dean was impressed with how quickly the set had come together. One side of the studio had already begun to resemble three interconnected kitchens, complete with cheerfully painted cabinetry and fake windows with sunny garden scenes painted on backdrops behind them. On the opposite wall, a huge picture window stretched from the floor up to the top of the set wall, with another hand-painted scene that looked like they'd stolen it from a children's drawing of a suburban garden. A row of fake hedges and several potted trees gave the painted scene a bit of depth, while doubling down on the cartoonish artificiality of the entire set. In front of the window sat a massive, curving desk where a panel of judges would sit throughout the competition. How many of us are going to have to fit back there? Dean said, pacing in front of the long countertop and imagining at least half a dozen judges sitting there ogling the poor contestants while they sweated it out under the glaring studio lights. Just three, Gabriel confirmed. 
We were going to be back there for a while, so why not make it comfy? Cassie splurged for some quality chairs, too. We'll have some elbow room, plus plenty of room to display the finished products for the taste tests. Dean just nodded, ran a hand across the polished wooden surface, and then followed Jody on a tour through the three kitchen stations. He pointed out a few practical changes that they might want to consider, but nothing more serious than putting in an extra shelf or two. He was overall impressed with the layout, and it was obvious that Castiel had taken his advice from their conversation the other night into careful consideration when finalizing the plans. Okay, now the pantry, Jody said, leading him through a wide doorway into a room lined most of the way around with wire shelving. The only other thing in the room so far was a commercial blast chiller. Dean approved of its location, seeing as it wasn't practical to install one of the specialized freezers at each of the stations, and for the purposes of the competition, none of the contestants was likely to need it more than a few minutes at a time anyway. To both Gabriel and Jody's delight, Dean approved of the rest of the plans he'd seen. Jody stuck two fingers in her mouth and gave a shrill whistle, and within a minute all work had ceased on the set and a small crowd had gathered around them. Okay, crew, Jody said as a few stragglers wandered up. You all know Gabriel, but this is our baking expert, Dean Winchester. Dean gave a little wave at the assembled crowd. This is Claire, she said, pointing to the young woman at her side with her long blonde hair pulled up in a messy braid and a tool belt slung around her waist. She's our set designer and will be in charge of the stage. She's also lead camera operator once production starts. Claire nodded and gave her hammer a twirl before holstering it in her tool belt. Jody held in a smile at that and moved on to introduce the woman next to Claire. This is Kaya, Claire's assistant. If I'm not around, you can direct your concerns to either of them. Dean nodded, impressed that Jody entrusted the young women with so much authority on set. But just looking at them and what they'd already accomplished, he could tell it was well earned. Jody was about to go on to the next introduction when Gabriel leaped from his side and draped an arm around the next woman's shoulders. And this is patience, he said, beaming beatifically up at the exasperated look on her face. She's my personal assistant, which means she spends most of her time trying to read my mind and anticipate my needs. Patience rolled her eyes but nodded in agreement. Right now you need to let go of me, she said, but not with any malice. Right you are, Gabriel agreed jovially. That is exactly what I needed. See, Dino, she knows me better than I know myself. He smiled at Patience and strolled back to Dean's side while Jody introduced the last woman. This is Alex. She's our assistant director, but she's also a trained nurse, so if you have a medical emergency, she's your go-to. Just try not to do any grievous bodily harm, Alex cautioned him. I'll try and keep it to a minimum, Dean replied, grinning at her. Jody looked around, frowning, until she spotted a young man on the other side of the set, winding up a tangled extension cord. And over there is our intern, Jack. When he heard his name, Jack looked up from where he'd become hopelessly tangled in the long cord, raised one hand, and smiled cheerfully. Hello! Then he went right back to his work. He's a good kid, Jody supplied, once you get to know him. All of the girls agreed, casting Jack friendly smiles before turning back to Jody for their next assignments. 
She went over the changes to the design that Dean suggested, prompting a few questions from Kaya and Claire, and a follow-up discussion about paint colors and appliance dimensions. Dean sort of blanked on what they were talking about and let himself just soak it all in. The feeling of the set and how cheerful and comfortable it all seemed, right down to all the people who worked there. Even including Gabriel, who'd seemed so distressingly dangerous just going by what Dean had seen of him on his trickster show, yet fit in so well and had shown so much care for the people he worked with. It was a refreshing relief to Dean, confirming that he'd made the right choice of signing up for this project. Jody concluded her impromptu meeting and dismissed everyone back to work, and Dean noticed Gabriel conferring with patients over a tablet computer they both poked at. He wasn't exactly sure what to do with himself, and was beginning to feel a bit superfluous to current needs, when Jody strolled over and presented him with her tablet. Castiel gave me some information on the guest bakers for all six episodes, she said, tapping on the first guest contact information and pulling up a sample recipe list. I thought we should go over the details. Details are what I'm all about, Gabriel said, having dismissed patience as well, and was now standing beside Jody, cheerfully trying to peek at the screen. And these look like the kind of details I can really sink my teeth into. Literally. The three of them retreated to Jody's office to escape the noise of set construction. Over the next few hours, they hammered out the details of everything from who would be baking their professional samples to exactly how all the ingredients would be laid out in the pantry and at each individual workstation. They debated everything from whether the cake ingredients should be pre-measured for the contestants to how long they'd be allowed to complete each unique challenge. Dean had argued most strenuously that even a professional baker would find it difficult to complete some of the challenges within the time frames Gabriel and Jody were suggesting, but they'd insisted that it added to the competition factor. Besides, Jody had argued, most people underestimate how long it really takes to make a professional cake. That's part of the mentality we're poking at with this whole concept here. We want to highlight the value of your time and effort, in addition to the skills you've worked on for years to hone. Yeah, Dino, Gabriel said, taking a bite of the candy bar patients had brought to him without having been asked. People see a chef do it on TV and think they can whip up the same thing at home in a half an hour, too. And that's not the way it works in reality. Giving them three hours to make a wedding cake is going to sound generous until they actually try to do it themselves. Jody nodded. To remind them, it would take you more than three hours to make it look perfect, too. Dean let it go and helped them come up with some extremely tight, yet also reasonable time limits. Over lunch that Jody had ordered from a local sandwich shop, they devised a list of decoy ingredients to stock the pantry with. At first, Dean had thought it was just Gabriel trying to pull a prank, but he'd been won over to the idea by Jody. There's no harm in it. She'd insisted over Dean's objections that it was just cruel, deliberately throwing even more stumbling blocks for contestants to possibly trip over. It's up to the contestants to follow the recipes, as well to use their own judgment. Substituting crushed corn chips for a dusting of brown sugar to simulate beach sand might be a terrible choice, but those are the sorts of things someone without any training might think was fine. It's part of the challenge to give them the tools to succeed without cutting off potential routes to failure. So it puts more of the burden on them, Dean replied. 
We can't help it if they make terrible decisions, Gabriel replied with a wicked grin. Yeah, but we're going to have to taste test that shit, too, Dean countered. Gabriel shrugged. Then we shouldn't put rat poison in the pantry. I think we'll manage to survive. Yeah, if we got something to wash it down with, I guess I can deal, Dean agreed warily. So a full bar it is, Gabriel agreed, leaning across Jody's desk to point at her keyboard. Make a note of that. Stock up on the vodka. Whiskey for me, thanks, Dean muttered, and Gabriel winked at him. That's the spirit, Dean. Dean hadn't realized how long they'd been discussing the minute details when Claire knocked on Jody's door and interrupted. We're heading out for the day, she said. Anything else you need, or... Jody checked her watch and blinked up at Claire. Wow, okay, it's late. How's the set coming? We've got everything assembled and painted, and the small appliances are going in tomorrow, Claire said. There's a bajillion canisters arriving tomorrow for the pantry, along with... She paused and cast a side-eyed glance at Gabriel's eager face before continuing. The shipment from the C-A-N-D-Y distributor? She'd spelled out the word and said it in a stage whisper for good measure. Gabriel laughed, but Jody immediately turned to scold him, one finger raised like a mom warning a small child. The pantry's all been inventoried, Jody said. Castiel told me to make sure you were explicitly aware of that fact. Gabriel replied, I can afford my own private candy stash. Jody nodded at him, appeased, and Claire bid them all a good night. There was one person that Dean had been hoping to see again, but Cass hadn't even bothered to pop in and say hi. Sure, Sunday was probably the guy's day off or whatever, but this show was supposedly a big deal for him. Dean had been surprised and a little disappointed that he'd never even made a token appearance. Well, Jody said, looking through her notes, there's a few more things we need to get squared away, but we can take care of it tomorrow if you've had enough for one day. Dean checked his watch, and it was rapidly coming up on five o'clock. He didn't have a hot date or any pressing business he needed to handle, and he was starting to think it would be better to do what he could to avoid running into Cass after the guy essentially ignored him all day. If coming back into the office during regular business hours would run the risk of putting him within Cass's line of sight, it would probably be best to just finish up while he was already there. Yeah, I'm good, he said. While I'm here, we may as well get through everything. If I can get to my shop tomorrow, it would really help out my staff. I thought you were closed Mondays. Gabriel asked, as if he already knew exactly why Dean was suddenly squirming. Yeah, we are, but we still got to do prep for the week. I got my own inventory to manage still. Gabriel smirked at him, looking quite pleased with himself, but Jody frowned. Castile told me you'd be available for filming on Sundays and Mondays, she said, sounding suddenly concerned. Is that going to be a problem? Because we've scheduled this entire production around your availability. Dean shook his head, holding out a placating hand as he backtracked. No, no, not a problem. But, uh, I don't think you need me just lurking around set with nothing to do. If we're almost done with my expert input or whatever, might as well save a trip back tomorrow is all. Jody regarded him skeptically for a minute, but then accepted his rationale. Gabriel stood up and stretched, giving a forced fake yawn and heading toward the door. 
You kids work out all the nitty-gritty about baking pans and spatulas or whatever. I'll be here tomorrow if there's any groundbreaking developments over how much high-fructose corn syrup you need to order. Thanks for all your help, Gabe, Jody said. Tell Castiel we're almost finished here, okay? Gabriel gave a little salute and then headed out. Dean sat uneasily for a moment, wondering if that meant Cass was in the building and just avoiding him. Or maybe he'd just been as busy doing producer things as Dean had been doing expert consultant things. He shook off the strange feeling of disappointment, and he and Jody got down to brass tacks over the variety and quantity of cooking utensils they'd need to order and how best to organize them for each challenge. They were just covering the last of Jody's long list of supplies when they were interrupted by another knock on the door. Castiel peeked his head in, looking contrite and just a bit rumpled, as if he'd been tugging at his tie and running a hand through his hair in frustration all day. Dean wasn't entirely sure, but Cass seemed relieved to find Dean was still there. I hope I'm not interrupting, Cass said. Not at all, Jody replied. We were just about finished, right, Dean? Yeah, I think we've got it covered, Dean agreed, giving Cass a tired smile. Cass nodded, looking relieved, and maybe even a little crestfallen. Ah, that's good. I'm sorry I wasn't more help to you today, but I just got off the phone with the final sponsor. Kitchen Master will be supplying each of the first-round winners with a generous prize package. Jody shook her head and smiled fondly at Cass. Negotiations are never fun, are they? No, but Claire did inform me that the set is nearly complete, so that was comforting. Cass then turned to Dean. I hope everyone's been accommodating with you in my absence, Dean. Jody laughed at that. Gabriel was a perfect gentleman for once. Yeah, you run a real tight ship here, Dean agreed. I'm impressed with the entire staff. Cass seemed pleased with that, but also again it seemed tinged with a strange dismay. So you won't need to return tomorrow. Unless you've got some sort of baking emergency, I don't know what else I can do here, Dean replied. I think I'd just be in the way. Cass nodded, looking from Dean to Jody and then down to the floor for a moment, gathering his thoughts. I would like for us to do a final walkthrough of the set once it's completed and before we begin filming. At your convenience, of course. Dean smiled, feeling a little bit relieved that Cass really did seem to feel bad about having ditched him all day. Just say the word. As soon as it's done, I can swing by any night after work. I'll keep you apprised of the progress, then. So, when's the first day of shooting scheduled for? Dean asked, and then worried that he was being presumptuous when Cass gave him a look like a stunned puppy. It's just I should give my staff fair warning, maybe schedule some extra help in the kitchen for the Mondays I'm going to miss. Cass swallowed hard, shuffled his feet, and deferred to Jody. It depends on when the set is ready. Should be by the end of the week, Jody replied. We're just waiting on deliveries at this point, and we're holding back the fresh ingredients like eggs and milk until the day before episode one shoots. Could start as early as this weekend if everything's ready to go on your end. Cass nodded and glanced warily at Dean, then slowly walked the rest of the way into Jody's office and shut the door behind himself. He hesitated for a moment and then took the seat that Gabriel had vacated and looked right at Dean. I know we hadn't discussed it, and it wasn't explicitly part of your contract, 
but I was hoping that we might be able to film some background material about you and your bakery, your professional career, and what your regular work life is like. Dean thought about that for a second while Castiel waited impatiently for his reply. What, like a tour of my bakery? Like for a career day at school? Yes, in part, Castiel replied, but also about your training and possibly several short segments about how each of the challenge pastries would be made by a professional. Dean blinked at him, confused. I thought the guest bakers were going to be making the sample cakes. They will be, Cass replied, tugging on his already crooked tie until it flipped around entirely. But if you could offer a few words describing the specific techniques unique to each pastry, what makes them difficult to prepare, or the special skills needed to execute them, any sort of expert commentary you'd care to offer, I think would add the mark of your particular brand of professionalism that could enrich the viewing experience. Dean's smile grew as Cass bumbled through his increasingly flustered reply. Sure, Cass, I'd be happy to. I'm going to be at the bakery from about 7 tomorrow morning if you want to bring a camera by. I'm sure I can make time. Cass nodded enthusiastically. Yes, that would be excellent. Can I borrow Claire for a few hours tomorrow? He asked Jody. Jody shrugged, spreading her hands out wide. I don't see why not. I don't think Claire would object to hanging around a bakery instead of labeling dry ingredients canisters. All right, then, Dean replied. Just text me when you're on the way. We're not open on Mondays, but if I know when you're coming, I'll unlock the door for you. Good, good, Cass replied absently. Then, if everything else is ready, we can schedule the first episode to film next Sunday. I'll contact the first and second round contestants in the morning and let them know, Jody said, making a note of it on a stack of file folders, and then standing up and extending her hand across the desk to Dean. It's been a real pleasure, Dean. I look forward to working with you again. Yeah, same, Dean replied, getting to his feet and shaking her hand. If you're done here, I can walk you out, Cass offered, and Dean nodded his thanks. Tell me, Dean, Cass said as they wove through the long carpeted hallways toward the front of the building. Has everything been to your satisfaction? It's just... I feel terrible that I wasn't able to show you around myself. I get it, Cass, Dean replied. You have to keep your eye on the bigger picture. It's all good. Cass nodded absently, looking straight ahead as they emerged into the stark lobby. It was already getting dark outside, and Dean realized just how long a day it had been. Then I look forward to seeing you sometime tomorrow, in your natural element, Cass said as he ushered Dean to the front door. Dean couldn't help but laugh. Yeah, my natural element is covered with flour and neck deep in fondant, but if that's what turned you on... He trailed off, biting his lower lip and realizing he'd let the casual comfort with Cass go just a little bit too far. He took a deep breath and was about to apologize for being so forward when he looked up to see Cass, who was blushing. Um, yes, well, to each his own, right? Cass replied awkwardly. I'll see you in the morning, Dean. Dean nodded absently and took the generously offered out. He had about 12 hours to pull himself the fuck together before he'd have to spend several hours trying to act professional in front of Cass, not to mention in front of a camera. 
Considering he had barely managed it for a handful of minutes before shoving his foot in his mouth, he wasn't terribly convinced of his chances for success. Chapter 4. Spectator Interference Dean arrived to open the bakery at quarter to seven the next morning. He hadn't bothered calling Charlie or Donna to give them a heads up that he'd be in. So when they showed up a few minutes later, they were both pleasantly surprised, but also eager for all the details of his adventures at the Webflick Studios. Regale us with the glamour of Hollywood stardom, or has fame already elevated you above your station as handmaiden? Charlie said as she pulled on a white coat atop her Princess Leia t-shirt. Dean snorted out a laugh and went back to measuring out cupcake batter. Yeah, they showed me around the set, but I spent most of the day in the director's office helping her figure out how many eggs to order and what oddball shit they should stock the pantry with to confuse the contestants. Not exactly rubbing elbows with Brad Pitt at the Oscars kind of work. What do you mean, confuse the contestants? Donna asked, not even looking up from measuring out icing sugar. Dean shrugged and then walked two trays of cupcakes to the oven, shoving them in and setting the timer. They're going to mix a bunch of random things people might have in their kitchen at home that they might use if they don't know any better, like bread flour instead of cake flour, or tapioca instead of nonpareils. Donna made a disgusted face at the thought of biting into a bunch of raw tapioca pearls. Wow, I don't envy you having to taste these cakes. The assistant director's a trained nurse, Dean said, rinsing out a mixing bowl so he could get started on the next batch of cupcakes. So she'll be on hand in case of accidental poisoning. And I think Gabe may have negotiated an open bar into his contract, so at least I'll have some good whiskey on hand to wash it down with. Sounds like Gabe has things under control, at least, Charlie said, and then set to work mixing up a rainbow of different cake batters for an assortment of pride petite fours. Dean still hadn't mentioned that Cass and Claire would be stopping by to film them at work. It was easier not to upset their usual pace. He also wasn't entirely sure when Cass would call, and he definitely didn't need to endure what might be hours of teasing after he finally got Donna and Charlie to stop pestering him with questions. His peace and quiet ended at quarter to eleven, when Cass texted to let him know they'd just arrived outside. Donna was actually the first to encounter Claire and Cass. She was in the front of the shop filling the display case with cupcakes when they waved through the front window. She'd been in the process of pointing out that they were closed when Dean came flying through the kitchen door. That's Cass and Claire, he said, pulling the front door keys from his pocket. We're filming a few things for the show today. Jeepers, Dean, you could have given a girl a heads up. I'd have thrown on some lipstick or done my hair or something if I thought I might end up on camera. She rolled her eyes but smiled playfully at Dean so that he knew he was forgiven as she slipped back into the kitchen to warn Charlie what was up. Dean unlocked the door and ushered Cass and Claire into the shop. Claire's eyes went wide before she closed them and took several deep breaths. God, it smells like heaven exploded in here. Cass chuckled at her comment and smiled at Dean. It's nice to see you again. I take it you've had a productive morning. Cass pointed at Dean's formerly white coat, 
now stained in several places with various colorful batters and icings. <laughs> yeah, just the nature of the work. I got a clean one to wear on camera, no worries. Claire stopped by one of the small tables and set down her equipment case. Is it okay for me to leave this here? Dean nodded. Sure. Either of you want some coffee or anything? Maybe something to eat? That's not necessary, Dean. Cass replied at the same time Claire asked, If that's a salted caramel I smell, then yes, please. Cass heaved a sigh as Dean smiled at her. Coming right up. You sure you don't want anything, Cass? Cannoli? Cherry cheesecake brownie? We got macarons that should be up in about 20 if you're willing to wait, too. Cass squinted at the mention of macarons. Yes, I think I can wait, but I will have coffee if it's convenient. You got it, Dean said, bustling around behind the counter and brewing a fresh pot. So, where do you want to set up? I was thinking Claire could film several panoramic shots of the bakery, both exterior and interior. Cass said, standing at the counter while Dean worked. Perhaps some with you standing outside by the front window, as well as behind the counter. And then we could move to the kitchen. So, just me and my element, Dean replied, smiling as he served up Claire's cupcake. Might want to wait to film in here until we get the case fully stocked. It's still looking a little Mother Hubbard. I got some goods for you, Charlie said, pushing the kitchen door open and emerging with two large trays of vibrantly colored little cakes. She slid the trays into the display case and then turned to smile at Cass and Claire. I'm Charlie, by the way. Nice to meet you. But you won't be filming me today, she said as if it were already a foregone conclusion. Cass nodded at her and then gestured to Claire. This is Claire, and I'm Castiel. It's nice to meet you, Charlie, and I promise we won't film you without your explicit permission. Those cakes look delectable as well. Did you make them? Sure did, she replied, waving a hand across the rainbow of little cakes, before picking one off the rack and sliding it across the counter to Cass. Here, have one. Tell me if it tastes as good as it looks. Cass took a bite and moaned. Is that blueberry in the center? Charlie nodded happily while Dean tried to get a grip on himself watching Cass go through a series of raptures, eating the little pastry in three eternal bites. He was grateful it hadn't been a full-sized cake. His dignity might not have survived. He finally shook himself out and his face returned to a semblance of polite interest. Unfortunately for Dean, Claire hadn't missed a second of his discomposure, and he caught her giving him a transparently knowing look. Well, um, Dean said, scrambling to do something remotely professional. He turned his back to pour coffee. I guess you can go ahead and start filming whenever. Just tell me where to stand and we can get the show on the road. Claire finished her cupcake while Dean and Cass worked out a general outline of segments they intended to film, making a rough list on a strip of receipt paper from the register. Without prompting, Claire stepped outside and filmed the exterior shots. She'd returned before Cass and Dean had even noticed she'd gone. Dean glanced down at himself when she walked over with her camera raised to her shoulder and remembered he needed to swap out his stained coat for the clean one waiting in his office. He stood and began unbuttoning it, making apologies for throwing off their schedule, and was about to dash back to his office when Cass laid a hand on his wrist to stop him. I think it's fine for the exterior shots to show you out of uniform, Cass suggested, nodding at the Led Zeppelin t-shirt Dean wore beneath his jacket. 
Dean frowned down at the ancient, faded T-shirt and couldn't understand how it was an improvement over a stained chef's jacket. Dude, this is like the least professional thing I could possibly wear. Cass nodded. Exactly. I think the audience should be able to relate to you as a person and not just a professional baker. I'd like them to see you're human as well. Dean made a series of faces, running one hand down the logo of Icarus imprinted on his shirt, the winged man falling out of the sky, and finally laughed. Yeah, okay, fine. If Zep makes me human, I guess that's fine. Dean stood on the sidewalk in front of the shop, beneath the window painted with the Winchester pastry logo, and followed Cass in Claire's directions as he moved through a series of poses. Claire kept filming, even when he complained he was starting to feel a bit ridiculous, modeling a ratty band t-shirt and jeans in front of his own bakery. Cass had encouraged him to keep going, and Dean had sighed and given in to the request. They went through a similar series of shots inside the bakery, but this time when Dean began to feel self-conscious and antsy, Cass had distracted him with questions, only some of which had been on their list. Dean gave answers about his training, about running his own bakery, about the responsibility of being entrusted with the centerpiece of so many wedding receptions. He hesitated when Cass suddenly asked him about why he wanted to become a baker in the first place, partly because he really didn't have an answer, but partly because regardless of what he might say, he wasn't sure he wanted it captured on film. Cass noticed his hesitation immediately, apologized for getting too personal and veering from their prearranged script, and suggested they move back to the kitchen to film the segment clips. Dean left Claire and Cass in Charlie and Donna's care while he went back to his office to fetch his clean jacket and take a minute or two to clear his head. He hadn't quite understood why he'd been so reluctant to keep answering Cass's questions. Sure, he'd been taken off guard, and he hadn't really had a chance to come up with a reasonable reply on the spot. But the fact the question had shaken him at all when it was no secret that he had always loved bakeries as a kid, and had always wanted to do something that made people purely happy. If something as simple as a well-made cake could guarantee putting a smile on a customer's face, the same way it had done for him when he was little... Why had he been so reluctant to just say so? His inability to rationalize his own reaction, or lack of reaction, since he'd stood there dumbstruck long enough for Cass to backtrack, had him rattled, and he couldn't quite put his finger on why. Dean stood in his office, methodically buttoning up his jacket, taking a few deep breaths and preparing himself to play the professional he surely was on TV. The rest of the afternoon's filming went off without a hitch, Cass didn't press him for any more personal answers, and Dean maintained an air of professional distance as he demonstrated a series of baking and decorating techniques. Even though that had been the entire purpose behind filming the segments, Dean couldn't shake the feeling that he'd somehow managed to fuck up whatever warm feelings had been developing between him and Cass. And for the life of him, he couldn't shake the odd feeling that Cass was equally at loose ends over the entire ordeal. By the time Cass left, Dean felt like he'd not only lost any ground in what he thought was at least a developing friendship, but that he'd inadvertently pushed Cass even further away. He quietly despaired when Cass shook his hand and left with a businesslike and perfunctory reminder to be on set Sunday morning by nine for makeup and prep. Somehow he'd never felt more disappointed in himself in his life as he watched Cass walk out the door. 
Even Claire turned to him with a look of resignation, or maybe pity, before following after her boss. Dean stood at the front door and watched them drive away, then turned to snatch up his stained jacket from where they'd left it draped over a chair. He tidied up the table they'd used, tossing their cups, but carefully folding the receipt tape with Cass's handwritten notes and stuffing it in his pocket. He'd pull it out later and maybe it would give him a clue as to where he'd gone so horribly wrong. Cass drove back to his office in silence, despite several attempts from Claire to make friendly conversation with him. Something about Dean's reaction to what he'd thought an innocent question had thrown him. He'd been feeling shaky and off-balance ever since. He'd sat in his office going through the motions for the rest of the afternoon, unable to dispel the feeling he'd missed something important. He didn't typically click with people, as Gabriel had been helpfully reminding him for most of his life but something about Dean had been different right from the start. From the first moment he'd laid eyes on Dean Winchester, he felt like he needed to know the man better, almost as if everything he'd ever done up to that moment paled in comparison to the green of his eyes. Cass sat at his desk and shook himself off. They'd barely begun to know one another, and he wasn't about to let one lapse in his admittedly rusty people skills ruin what had the potential to be a wonderful friendship, if not something more. A strange sense of loss and disappointment had begun to settle over him when Gabriel tapped on his open door and barged into his office, snapping through the funk at least for the time being. Why the long face, Cass? Feeling personal responsible for bee colony collapse again? Gabriel asked, flopping down in one of the chairs in front of Cass's desk and popping a caramel into his mouth. Cass frowned as Gabriel tossed the candy wrapper at the trash can and missed. He stood up to deposit it in the trash while scolding his cousin. We're all responsible for the fate of the bees, Gabriel. All of humanity depends on them for our own existence. Yeah, yeah, whatever. So if it's not the bee thing, why do you look like someone kicked your puppy? And before you derail this chat again, I know you don't have a puppy. Cass glared at his cousin but Gabriel maintained his politely interested facade longer than Cass could maintain his peak. He gave up and sighed. I thought things had been going well with Dean, and I may have inadvertently damaged the relationship we'd been building. Gabriel frowned at this, sitting up in his chair and leaning forward to rest his elbows on his knees. For the first time in recent memory, Gabriel actually looked serious. Tell me you didn't piss off my pastry chef. Cass sighed, leaning back in his chair and staring up at the ceiling. So much for Gabriel really being serious. Castiel, look at me already, and can the woe-is-me act, okay? Pathetic resignation is not a good look on you. Castiel leveled a blank stare at his cousin. Is this better? Gabriel rolled his eyes. So tell me exactly what happened. Underneath his sugar-coated exterior, is Dean just another self-centered dickwad? 
as far as I can tell from our limited interactions. He's exactly the way you described him to me before we met. Gabriel nodded, waiting while Castiel worked himself up to answering his first question. I asked him if he'd always wanted to be a pastry chef. Castiel finally replied, It seemed like an innocent enough question, even if it wasn't on the list of topics we discussed before the interview began. Gabriel sat up straight, as if this was the most interesting thing he'd heard all week. What did he say? Nothing. He didn't say anything, Cass replied. He looked into the camera and froze for a moment. And then I assured him he didn't need to answer if he didn't want to. We ended the interview and moved on to the other segments. But our interactions were completely different for the rest of the afternoon. Business-like, and not at all personable. Gabriel considered this, muttering something about glitches in the Matrix before snapping his fingers and startling Cass. Have you ever considered the possibility that he just didn't want to discuss anything that personal on camera? Not everyone's as transparently willing to strip themselves bare on international television as yours truly. Cass blinked at Gabe and then slowly shook his head. You may be right. I should have known better than to ask a question I didn't already know the answer to. I feel as if I owe him an apology. Gabriel stood up and wrapped his knuckles on Cass's desk. Yeah, I think you definitely need to clear the air. You never know. He might be feeling just as guilty as you looked when I walked in here for not wanting to chat about his childhood trauma or whatever. Give the guy a break. I'm sure it's all just a big misunderstanding. Cass picked up his phone as soon as Gabriel left his office. He knew all too well if he didn't do something to clear the air between them. It would only make things worse when they inevitably would have to face one another again on Sunday. Dean had left the bakery shortly after they'd wrapped up filming. He'd felt like nothing had really gone right after the question he'd failed to answer. Even sticking around the shop and trying to funnel all of that uneasy energy into something productive had only served to make him feel worse. He'd spent an hour driving around aimlessly before he'd really started to feel like himself again. The warm evening air poured through Baby's windows as he drove up into the mountains, and he finally felt like he could breathe properly again. He was just turning around and heading home when his phone rang. Hang on just a sec, he said, fumbling the phone as he tried to answer, and eventually pulling off the road to fish the phone off the floorboard. Hello? I'm sorry, Dean. Castiel's voice rumbled over the phone. If this is an inconvenient time, I can call back later. No, no, it's fine, Dean replied, surprised at how relieved he was to hear back from Cass. Just hearing his voice again snapped the last of that antsy, uneasy feeling. I just dropped the phone. You're good. I'm, uh, not busy at the moment. That's good, Cass said, and then bypassed any additional pleasantries to drive straight to the apology. I wanted to make sure there was no tension between us. I believe I may have been too forward this afternoon. I've been told I can be too blunt at times. I didn't intend to make you uncomfortable, or pressure you into discussing your personal life in front of a television camera. I may have overstepped a boundary, and I don't want you to feel as if I put you on the spot. 
Cass would have kept right on apologizing, but Dean was already grinning and decided to put Cass out of his misery. It's fine, man. I swear you're fine. I guess I just wasn't as camera ready as I thought. I was already kind of twitchy trying to answer your list of questions without making myself look like an ass. And then that one sort of came out of left field. Totally not your fault, Cass. In any case, I never should have presumed to pry into your private life, Dean. At least not to film, or where you may have felt obligated to answer against your will. I know, and I appreciate that. I should probably get used to the idea of acting on camera, huh? It would kind of suck if I froze up like that during the actual show. Cass laughed. It wouldn't matter during the show. We'll have at least six hours of footage that we'll edit down into a half-hour program. That's a relief, Dean replied. So if I totally fuck up, I can get a mulligan? Unless your fuck-up involves falling face-first into one of the contestants' cakes, Cass replied. Dean snorted and choked back a laugh. Yeah, hopefully that's not going to be an issue. Guess I should stay out of Gabe's open bar, huh? Perhaps a drink or two might help soothe your nerves, Cass countered. But more than that is inadvisable. I'll be cutting off Gabriel if he starts getting tipsy, too. Sounds reasonable, Dean agreed. They were both quiet for a moment, and then Cass went on in a softer tone. I went over the footage we shot, and you came across exactly as I hoped you would. Friendly and approachable, yet confident and skilled at your work. Thank you again for allowing us to film in your kitchen. It was an honor. Dean gawped, unable to formulate words, and not even willing to touch the honor thing. Uh, thanks. I, uh, I guess I'm relieved. He laughed, actually feeling the last of his tension melting away. Yes, well, Cass replied, now sounding a bit flustered himself. I may need your advice during the week if we run into any further complications with the set, and I would like to speak with you again on Saturday to finalize all the details regarding the first episode's content, if that's agreeable with you. Dean nodded and then answered, Yeah, sounds good. Saturday's our big push day for deliveries, but I'm usually home by dinner time if you want to call in the evening. I'll talk to you then, if not sooner, Cass replied. Thank you again, Dean. I've sincerely enjoyed working with you. Yeah, Cass, Dean replied, then cleared his throat. Same here. Oh, I can cook too. On top of the rest, my seafood's the best in the town. Yes, I can cook too. My fish can't be beat. My sugar's the sweetest around. I'm a man's ideal of the perfect meal right now. I'm a pot of joy for a hungry boy, baby. I'm cooking with gas. Oh, I'm a gumdrop, a sweet lollipop, a brook trout right out of the brook. And what's more, baby, I can cook. Some girls make magazine covers. Some girls keep house on a dime. Some girls make wonderful lovers. But what a lucky find I'm. I'd make a 
Thank you so much for your support. I can be contacted on Twitter, Tumblr, or at makingitupaswegopod at gmail.com. If you are able, please go to the author's AO3 story and give comments and kudos to them for sharing this with us. The link is in the show notes. This will also be posted on AO3 as a podfic under my username, and the link will be in the show notes as well. As always, thank you so much for listening.